This is The Rooted Podcast, a conversation about the Christian worldview and its implications for every part of life. The Rooted Podcast is hosted by Steve Royce and Brady Johnson. Together, they have over two decades of experience in the business and tech industries and share a desire to help others filter all of life through the Christian faith. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Rooted Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Brady. And on this episode, we'll take a closer look at the second step of our sales process evangelism method that's all about building rapport and setting the stage for the rest of the conversation. By the way, if you haven't already subscribed to our podcast on Google Podcasts or iTunes, go ahead and consider doing that. You'll be immediately notified whenever new episodes come out. And if you've been listening for a while, please do consider leaving us either a rating or review and uh, tell someone else about the uh, the podcast. That really helps us out. And also, if you have any questions or a topic that you would like for us to cover, you can email us at podcast at rooted.productions. So in our last episode, we focused on, in on how to uh, put ourselves in way of more spiritual conversations by using some more broad questioning to brainstorm ideas and then running those ideas through a couple of our filters. Is it targeted and is it varied? And is it sustainable long term? Mm-hmm. And rather than us, you know, tell you what you need to be doing, we, we felt like this would be an approach that might help you dial in what would work best for you in whatever context that you happen to find yourself in. And like we mentioned in that last episode, you know, looking for new opportunities should be a, an always on kind of thing. It's not just a one and done method. And so with that in mind, we wanted to you know, carry the ball forward a little bit into the next phase of the sales process, which is, if you'll recall from episode four, it is building rapport and sort of establishing the, the relationship and what are you here for and what can I help you with, all those things. So in the evangelism context, that is basically the beginning of a spiritual conversation and just trying to get your arms around what is the intent or the purpose of this conversation? What are the goals that the other person has or that I have? And and how do we get going? How do we get some traction? So let's say that you have tried, you know, one or even several lead generating, you know, evangelism or spiritual conversation generating ideas out from our last episode that you have you have thought up and that you think would work and Maybe, you know, you're just out and about doing your thing in your normal everyday life. And suddenly, maybe to your amazement, there's someone standing in front of you and they're interested in talking about something spiritual. So what in the world are you supposed to do now? Yeah, that is, that's our question. And don't freeze. (laughs) Exactly. So we should caveat though, because in writing the episode before we recorded, one of the things we wanted to make sure that we conveyed is that everything we're going to talk about certainly would work if you're just beginning a conversation with a stranger or someone that you've just met. And we want to make sure that everything is applicable for that. But we also want to make sure that these are also applicable in case you are in the midst of an ongoing conversation with someone that you know or have known for years, like a family member, 
or a close friend, all that the principles that we're going to share in today's episode would require is just a little bit of critical thinking and and tweaking on your part. And we feel like they'll all fit. So that's where we're headed today. Yeah. And and really today's episode, we want to be able to leave you with some very specific ideas that you can immediately apply uh, that will get your conversation either up and running without you feeling like you have a script memorized or that you need to have a script memorized. And really, it's so much simpler than that. Uh, but often it's difficult to, to do very well. Yeah, it is. It's one of those simple, it's simple to talk about, but it's maybe a little bit more intimidating to actually do until you get some experience doing it. So to help with that, I thought it would be interesting to maybe demonstrate how some of what we're going to talk about works in real time. And then we can kind of break down what just happened. And for the record, uh, Brady has no idea what I'm about to ask him. So this is, this is, he's giving me the side eye right now. He has no <laughs> idea what's, what's going to happen. So here we go. I'm going to initiate a conversation with Brady. You ready, Brady? I'm ready. Okay. So here we go. Brady, tell me about your day this morning, starting with breakfast. Did you have breakfast this morning? I did have breakfast. I had a nice big bowl of Cheerios. You know, do you normally eat Cheerios or is this a, a new venture for you outside um, of your norm? Every once in a while I have cereal. I tend to have uh, bagels or, or toast. So why do you gravitate toward those? I like savior meals a little bit more. So going for the sweet cereal, I tend to shy away from that more often than not. So I know with me, I tend to grab toast or something because it's something I can scarf during my commute while I'm in my car. Is that something that happens with you too? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's the quick, easy meal. Right. So tell me a little bit about your commute. How long is it? What's it like most days? Uh, Well, most days, fortunately for me, it's about four and a half seconds from the kitchen after getting breakfast to uh, my office in the house. (laughs) Uh, I have remote work. And then when I do go to the office, it depends on the time I leave. If I'm going to the office, it can be anywhere from 25 to 55 minutes with traffic straight on the one-on-one. Yeah. That's, that's just straight up gross there, dude. Yeah. (laughs) So obviously both remote and commuting to a, a place offsite have their pros and cons. Yes. So for you, which one do you prefer and why? Um, I'm definitely a fan of the remote work. Uh, I can tend to get a lot more focused on and I have a couple extra hours out of my day that can either go towards more work, more personal stuff. And I tend to feel less stressed when I'm working from home. So, okay. uh, and I don't have to deal with the, uh, rush hour, uh, stop and go traffic mm-hmm. and scene. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that was just a sort of random conversation, but I was very purposeful in some of the questions that I asked and in even just how I approached it. So I want to ask Brady before we move on, based on what you just experienced, and I want you to be honest, Mm -hmm. how would you rate me as a listener? And do you feel like I was with you and tracking with what you were saying during that conversation? Yeah, I think so. What did I have for breakfast this morning? You had Cheerios. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it was great. Um, You know, the fact that you took what I was saying and you reapplied it with further questioning, kind of probing a little bit deeper to kind of uncover a little bit more about my day. Yeah. So we started with what you ate for breakfast, but then by the time the conversation is over, I know when you commute, how you commute, what that's like for you, why you like it, why you don't, and a little bit more about how you your day is structured and your work-life balance and all those different things. So we went from something pretty innocuous to a little bit more actual detail about your life. And 
in that short conversation, the reason we did it is because I wanted to illustrate some of the principles that we want to leave you with in this episode. And the biggest one for this particular illustration sort of applies right to our very first principle. And these principles, we're going to give you four of them in this episode. These principles are general enough that we think, as we said, you can apply these to any relationship that you have, and it will help you get deeper into that relationship with this person so that you have a better idea of how to approach sharing the gospel with them or having spiritual conversations. And we also feel like while they are general and they'll work in most contexts, they're also specific enough that they're actually going to give you an idea or some traction if you feel like you're lost and oh shoot, where do I need to go? What do I need to, what do I need to be thinking about? These are going to get you on track and they're going to help you, I think, move closer to where you ultimately want to be in the conversation. Uh, Definitely. So uh, principle number one, we're just calling get some context. So let's say that you find yourself about to have a conversation about something spiritual and you maybe don't know this person particularly well, or if you do know them, Maybe it's just that you've never had this kind of a conversation with them before. They might be a coworker, someone that you usually talk about different things with, not necessarily spiritual things. In that case, it is super helpful to get as much background knowledge on this person's perspective as you possibly can. And this might sound like a duh, but the easiest way to do that is just to ask them for it. If you don't know the person or you're just meeting them, you could lead with even something as general as, you know, so what's your story? Or so tell me about yourself. How do you end up here? And those are really broad questions, but they give the other person the prerogative to be selective in what they share. They're so broad that, you know, you can't possibly share everything. And so what they choose to share with you tells you what they see as important or relevant to this conversation with you. And that's helpful. And I have an example of this just in passing that I experienced on a very small level this last week when before our midweek service at church, I was on my way over to uh, teach the youth and I stopped by a brand new Starbucks that just opened up at the corner of my cross streets, my home. I stopped in the drive through to grab a latte on my way to church. And the gal in the drive through was very outgoing, very gregarious. And she struck up a conversation with me while she was waiting for my drink to be done. So this was an example of just getting some context on both her part and my part, because I'm a new customer. She's never seen me before. But also, for my part, I went there also purposefully because I was thinking, you know, this is super close to my house. If this is the place that I can go to be intentional about trying to build some relationships, these would be people that I would sort of see on a weekly basis. And that might be that might be good for long term. Right. And so this gal asked me, you know, what I was doing out. Was I on my way home from work or, or what? And so I told her I was on my way to church. And then she asked, oh, so what's what's going on tonight? And I, I just told her, uh, well, we're having our midweek service and I'm, I'm on my way to uh, teach the youth. And she asked, well, what ages? And I said, well, junior high and high school. And then we sort of struck up a conversation about, 
you know, how important it is for youth to have mentors and positive influences in their life. And that just kind of got me thinking, she asked where our church was. And I saw it's just down the street. It was like a mile away. And then kind of awkwardly, she offered that, well, I used to go to such and such a church, which is a church that if you live in our area, you would know. And then she said, but that was a long, long time ago. And I honestly, it, for a second, I was thinking to myself, well, why would you feel like you needed to offer that mm-hmm. other than maybe you feel, I don't know, guilty or something that you're not currently going to church, but I just sort of, I, I let it pass. I didn't focus on it too much, but I now know as a result of that conversation that she has some sort of church experience in her background. And if I see her again, because she told me, well, I'm here most Wednesday nights, so maybe I'll see you again. And I plan on going back now on a pretty regular basis and maybe can continue that conversation with her uh, in the future. And maybe, maybe it'll go somewhere. Maybe she'll end up visiting our church at some point. So that's sort of the roadmap. I'm, I'm trying to see how God leads to steering the conversation in that way. But that's a good example of how just getting some background and just learning about the other person can begin to turn the wheels and open up opportunities maybe to future conversations, even if nothing overt happens in that conversation. And obviously, I'm not the best example. Uh, Jesus is. And so there was a, a, a much better example of this that Jesus did in John chapter four with the the Samaritan woman uh, at the well. And if you recall that passage, he goes to where she is and she's drawing water from the well, which was normal. And he's sitting by the well, which is pretty normal, except, except for the fact that she was a Samaritan and he was a Jew and he wasn't supposed to have anything to do with her. And so when he says to her again, something on the surface, not spiritual at all, Hey, can you give me a drink? Then she begins to strike up a conversation with him about why are you even here? Why are you even talking to me? And then he's able to share with her that, well, if you knew who you were talking to, then I've asked you for a drink, but you would actually be asking me for a drink because I have living water. And she's like, well, what does that mean? Right. And so immediately Jesus is able to take a question that isn't spiritual at all and he's very quickly able to transition it and translate it into a spiritual conversation because well because he's Jesus but because he also understands how to ask questions that can lead to other questions that can eventually bring up you know topics that you you want to talk about with someone and so as we know the conversation continues and he ends up telling her about her life and things that he shouldn't be able to know. And so she's like, I think you're a prophet. He's (laughs) like, I'm a little bit more than that. But as a result of that conversation and of her experience with Jesus, not only does she believe, but it says that a lot of people in her village also ended up believing. And so you have a conversation that begins innocently enough, but Jesus very masterfully steers it in a spiritual direction. And he's able to ultimately lead people to, to follow him as a result. So getting context, getting some background is the beginning of the spiritual conversation. If you don't have context on this person, if you don't understand where they're coming from and what their perspective is and how they view the world and all those other things, then you don't really know enough to really help you know where to go or where to, where to take this conversation. So that's our first principle is getting some context. 
The second principle that we want to cover today is once you have context, it's really important. Uh, we're just calling this principle, find some common ground. Basically, it's the next logical step from getting context. So once you have some background and some of this person's story, the question is, so what from that background can you personally empathize with? So for instance, for me, Steve, I grew up in the church. My dad has been a pastor longer than I've been alive. And so if this person's background happens to involve the dynamic of, you know, growing up in a Christian home or a religious home, and then maybe they've walked away from that or they've turned in a different direction. Well, there's a context that I personally can can identify with, you know, growing up in a in a religious home. Even if it's not the same religion, there's just a vibe, a feel that a home has when your parents are devoutly religious. And so that would be a particular context that I could find some common ground with, I could empathize with. But Brady, you grew up in a very different context. Yeah. And so, I mean, you can tell us, compare yours with mine so we can see kind of the, the difference in the dynamic there. Yeah, I didn't uh, become a Christian until uh, after high school, you know, and uh, I grew up with, you know, my mom, uh, you know, she had faith, but it was her faith and it was kind of a quiet faith. And so... You know, I didn't go to church. I didn't have really any exposure um, until I did my own kind of self-searching and, and started attending church uh, myself. And so, yeah, I didn't have that religious underpinning growing up. Yeah, I mean, so in just between the two of us, we have radically different backgrounds and how we grew up. And we both came to Christ, but very differently. And so the point is, is just all that we're saying is, you know, look, we're all where we are now. And that's great. But it is shockingly easy to forget that wherever we are right now, we weren't always here, right? That there was a life and a version of us before right now. And for a lot of us who maybe didn't grow up in Christian homes or become Christians when we were very, very young, you know, you had a whole life or at least a good part of your life that may have had very similar experiences to this person that you're talking to. And so even though you obviously wouldn't want to go back to that life, you can use those experiences to help you build bridges with this person mm -hmm. because you, you can understand where they're coming from and you can empathize with what it's like. And there's a lot of context. It's not just whether you grew up in a religious home or a Christian home or, or not a uh, context, like growing up with, you know, like I did with both of your parents together or growing up like Brady did in a, a divorced home or growing up with siblings or growing up as an only child. Like there's lots of different contexts. And if you talk to someone long enough, you should be able to find some common ground. There should be something that's going to help you get a grasp on where this person's coming from. And as we were talking, there's a couple couple scripture references that we thought of that I think kind of tie into this pretty well. I mean, Paul, Paul was really good at finding bridges and, and building bridges with people in Acts chapter 17 in particular, he was amazing at this, I think. So he gets in Acts chapter 17 verses 22 and 23, it says, so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. 
For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. And what therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. And that is an example of where Paul is finding common ground with people from a very different culture. He's a Jew. They're Greeks. He worships the one true God. They worship every other God except the one true God. And yet Paul's able to find common ground with them in something so general as saying, hey guys, it sure seems like you're real religious. Hey, me too. (laughs) And that seems like the most general comparison that could possibly be made. But that's where Paul, that's what he has to work with. So that's where he starts. He starts with the very, very general And then he moves into the specific because from that general statement, he's able to then say, you know, you even have an altar here to an unknown God in case you missed one. Mm -hmm. I know who that God is. Let me tell you about him. And he turns some common ground of, hey, we're both religious. I understand what that's like to let me tell you about, let me tell you about this unknown God that you have this altar to over here. Yeah. And you also have, you know, first Corinthians, you know, nine. Uh, verses 19 through 23, he says, you know, for since I am free from all, I can make myself a slave to all in order to gain even more people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to gain the Jews. To those under the law, I became like the one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to gain those that were under the law. To those free from the law, I became like one free from the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under the law of Christ, to gain those free from the law. And to the weak, I became weak in order to gain the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all means I I may uh, save some. I do all these things because of the gospel, so that I can be a participant in it. And this just goes back to the you know that context of being able to find that common ground. Paul was able to fit in with you know each of these different groups of people and find that common thread. Yeah, Paul didn't expect them to make the leap to where he was. He he went out of his way to try and find them where they were mm-hmm. and then build bridges to where he wanted to go. And I think that's, I mean, not only is that biblical because we see Jesus model it as well with the woman at the well, we see Paul model it in several places. But I mean, in a way, it's also biblical in that, I mean, isn't that exactly how God viewed and treated us, mm-hmm. right? That he didn't expect us to come to him on on terms that he knew we could never meet or or live up to he he came to us and he built the bridge back to where he wanted us to end up thank you jesus right exactly and so that is that's a really important principle of finding common ground with this person we've talked before just about how it's a it's unfortunate that as christians we maybe unconsciously can fall into this trap of expecting people who don't know jesus to behave like Christians. Like we want them to be moral and, and to make moral choices and to act as if they're a Christian, even if they're not. And, and really even in this, just this conversation reminded me of just that that's a really unrealistic expectation. In fact, I'd say it's an unbiblical expectation, right? Mm-hmm. Because if they don't have the Holy spirit in them, you can't expect them to act as if they do. That's just not a capacity that they have yet. And so we really, it does us a lot of good to remember this principle that it's on us to find common ground with them and work to build those bridges. That's not something we, we need to put on them. 
right? Yeah. And so here's a simple idea, another one for how we can initiate some discussion if a spiritual topic comes up and ways to find common ground. You can just ask them what they think about it. So like, for instance, let's say that it's uh, Thanksgiving and your your Uncle Doug is over and you, you know, see something on TV and I mean, I don't know, it's, let's say like there's religious persecution that's on the news. It's happening over in the Middle East and which is pretty common, actually. Uh, you're, I don't know why you're not watching football on Thanksgiving, but let's just, let's just <laughs> roll with it. And so you could just, you could just ask, Hey, uncle Doug, what do you think about all that? And just feel things out from there. See what he says and then see where you can take the conversation. So you're just asking him what, what are his thoughts and trying to look for a way that you can build a bridge from where he's at. So that's our second principle. Find some common ground. Yeah. And really moving into the third principle is kind of this idea of, uh, you know, it's a bit of a give and take, right? We, we need to be making deposits first, right? This is the relational principle that uses a banking analogy, uh, but you know, it's really solid advice. And if you think of building into other uh, people and giving of yourself as making those deposits into the relationship, similarly, you're going to ask other people for something in return, you know, like reading a book or visiting your church, um, that would be considered a withdrawal. And just like your bank account, you can't just make withdrawals unless you first have made enough deposits to cover that balance. And otherwise you would run the risk of your relationship floundering. Right? Yeah, you can't just walk into your Wells Fargo and be like, uh, I'll take a hundred thousand dollars, please. And they'll be like, sir, you don't have an account with us. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> that would be nice if you could just walk into a place and just get money. Right. right. But you have to have put it in before they're going to get it out. I mean, and that's really just all we're saying here is that if you're, if you're going to ultimately invite them to church or ask them to do something that's out of their comfort zone, you better have built into them first. And really, again, that goes back to, we'll take Jesus as an example is serving others before you ask to be served, right? Mm -hmm. He says, I came not to, to be served, but to serve as Christians. It's super important that not just in evangelism, but just in general, that we have a service mindset. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, I'm, I'm talking to myself here as, as much as anything, but just to say that it is not often enough that I remember to view the people that I am pursuing for having spiritual conversations, view them through the lens of how can I serve them? How can I what can I do for them that shows them who Jesus is before mm-hmm. I ask them to follow Jesus, right? Otherwise, I'm asking them to follow someone that they don't know, right. and that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and you know, this moves into principle four, and this is you know looking for how their context informs their spiritual perspective. You know, part of the reason you're going through this process, uh, you know, building up this context, and before you launch into a monologue or you know you're sharing your testimony is you really want to help uh, understand how or if the things that you have in mind are even relevant to this person in this conversation at all. You know, and you can take some time, get to know them on a personal level, and then you're looking for that common ground. You know, you're going to be in a much better position and be able to make, you know, those direct connections to either, you know, life experiences uh, and not be able to or not have to guess or throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and, and just hope that something sticks. Yeah, exactly. And that's really what everything else up until this point is building toward is trying to understand 
their spiritual perspective or their perspective on spiritual things, you need to understand who they are and what they've experienced in order to understand why they have this, the perspective that they do. Right. And so at this point, then the question becomes, how do we use, you know, some critical thinking to apply what we now know about this person to what they've said about their spiritual perspective? If we've heard them make comments about God, or if we happen to know that like with this gal at Starbucks, that she used to go to church, but now she doesn't. Well, there's a reason for that, right? And it's part of her story. I don't know that story yet. Once I do, I'll have a better understanding of why she is where she is in in terms of spiritual things and where she is spiritually. And I'm going to just throw a shout out to my wife at this part because what I'm about to say leans heavily on many, many conversations that she and I have had over the years. My wife happens to be a licensed clinical social worker for the state of Arizona, and she does counseling. She's actively a counselor right now, actually. And so this is just part of what she has said, even just about understanding people and getting to know them and understanding context is, and I don't want to say this to suggest that you or I need to be, or honestly should even attempt to be a pop psychologist when we're talking with people. But all I'm saying is it it is pretty important to notice the big things that they have shared with you, at least so that you can have some grasp on how that may, and may is the operative word here. It, It may or may not, but that what they have experienced in their life may be affecting that the the way that they see things and the way that they approach things. So let me give you an example. For instance, let's say that the, that this person that you're talking to that you either know, or they have told you at some point that they grew up in a home where it was just them and their mom and their three siblings and that their biological dad just never even wanted, he was never around. He didn't want to see them never gave them any impression that he wanted to get to know them at all. Well, it would be a, I think a big mistake not to take that into account when they also happen to tell you that they don't believe in the God of the Bible because in the old Testament, you know, he's capricious, he's selfish, he's petty, he's cruel, all those things. And the reason is that, and I think we all know this in our head, it's just not always something that we apply is there are levels to conversations, you know, Mm -hmm. there's the text and then there's the subtext. And what I mean is if, if anyone, just anyone on the street came up to me and they raised that same objection about the God of the old Testament, my first move with that person might be, okay, well, let's go look at the old Testament passages and let me begin to demonstrate that when you really look at the passages and you understand them in their context, that God is not the person that you're claiming that he is. But if I did that, that would only be addressing the text, you know, so to speak, of the conversation, what they've actually said out loud. But if I know this person, this particular person and their background, what I should be thinking about is how their experience of growing up with an unloving and a distant father has probably had a significant impact on their ability to conceive of God the Father as a father in a proper way. Their, their experience has, has tainted how they understand fathers. And that's, they haven't said that out loud. That's not the text. That's the subtext 
but that's a clear subtext that's framing the discussion and that's way too important to ignore, right? So it doesn't mean that there's always going to be something that cut and dried or that obvious, but but what we're saying is that you have to know what their context is and their experience is so that you can begin to make those connections, not so that you can undermine it, but so that you can, or, or, or use it against them somehow, but so that you can, as we said before, find that common ground and empathize with them. Like it says in, in Matthew that Jesus had compassion on the masses, right? That you see where people are and you understand that maybe the reason that they view God the way they do is because they live in a broken world and they come from a broken place and that never, ever should have been. And so we can, we can feel for that person and understand that the reason that they have the perspective is because things in their life were not the way that they should have been. And because we feel for that person, we now can pray for them and in that way. And that empathy is going to allow us to, to be able to build bridges and be able to try and not just share the gospel, but really to bring healing mm-hmm. uh, to their, to their life. Yeah. And, you know, as a quick recap, you know, we're talking about four principles. We have principle one, get some context, start those conversations. Principle two, find some common ground from those, that context. You really should be able to find those underpinnings, things that you have in common that can continue to strive that conversation further. Principle three is making those deposits first. You don't want to be withdrawing from that empty bank account and ruining that relationship. And then principle four, we want to look for how their context will inform their spiritual perspective. You know, as Steve said, there's going to be some subtext there. Really through these principles, you're going to identify that and be able to tie that all together um, to really help further kind of these these next few episodes that we're really going to dig into. Um, this really becomes pivotal, you know, and really this just kind of boils down to asking them good questions and then letting them run with it and just being a good listener. But these are just some of the initial questions that are really going to get that ball rolling. And, you know, as you're kind of gathering at this point, depending on how much of the conversation you're able to have, uh, this process could take a long time. It could take years. And, mm-hmm. you know, just to get into that, that meat of the spiritual conversation. And if you rush ahead because you're afraid of just never having them make a decision, then you haven't really taken the time to develop a relationship and you really risk kind of short circuiting kind of the process that you follow and really undermining that goal of, of getting them to really seriously consider that Christian worldview that we're coming from. Yeah. There's a, there's a, another sales principle that just popped into my head that we, we teach salespeople and it's go slow to go fast, mm-hmm. right? It is if you rush ahead because you're so anxious or afraid, you know, if I don't, if I don't push for the sale now that I'll never make it you completely undermine the entire process. Yep. And if you, you're, you know, you're afraid that this person's going to get hit by a bus. And so I got to share the gospel with them. Now I got to, <laughs> I got to lay it all out there and ask for a decision right now. And I don't have a relationship with them yet. They're probably not going to make the decision that you're hoping they will. And right. they might not even be interested in further conversation as a result of that approach. And so really, and this is part of our, our pre-recording conversation is it, it, God's either sovereign or he isn't right. If he's drawing this person, if he wants them to be a part of his family and he knows that if they hear, they'll respond, then you got to trust that God is sovereign enough that he's going to be able to orchestrate things in their life to where it's going to happen when he wants it to happen. And then it's going to be right. And so we, we don't need to be as anxious 
about trying to force something or, or, or jam it in when we think it makes sense. We need to trust God and, and the leading of the Holy Spirit to have as much or as little conversation in any given moment as we feel led to or as, as we're given, and then trust God that he's going to do the rest. It might have a long period of time in between conversations. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't using what you've said to work on their heart or to, to like we said in past episodes, put a pebble in their shoe. That maybe something that you've said that you thought was a throwaway line is really working on them, right? And you just don't know how God's going to use it. And so this is why going slow, really working on the relationship first is so is so pivotal because it's from the the relationship that you're going to be able to really dive into some deep stuff and you're going to be able to make some statements that someone you don't know and have a relationship with might might just not be willing to stick with you through but that's part of being in a relationship is being able to to share ideas and to to spend some serious time together so that's what we're hoping that you're going to you're going to see coming out of this episode yeah yeah, in our next episode, you know, we're going to take a, a look at the needs assessment, which is essentially all about the art of asking those good questions and then actively listening. You know, what we want you to see in that episode is if we are to summarize it, you know, just before we go all full tilt on our agenda, you know, for that conversation, you know, it makes a lot of sense to spend some time finding out just who it is that we're talking to, to seek and understand them and where they're coming from before we can ask them and for them to understand us. Uh, this doesn't mean that you have to agree with or really endorse anything that they're saying, but it does just go a long way uh, to begin making those deposits like we've talked about into that relationship before you go in asking for a big withdrawal. Exactly. All right. Well, that's what we've got for you this time. Thanks for listening, and we hope that you'll join us next time. See you later. Thanks for joining us on The Rooted Podcast a creation of Rooted Productions and an affiliate of the Oasis Church in Gilbert, Arizona. For more information about the podcast or to submit a question or comment, please visit us at rooted.productions. Follow us on Instagram at rooted.productions or email podcast at rooted.productions. That's rooted.productions. We hope you'll join us next time. 